Welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about music. Each week, your host tries to bring stories from artists and others in the music industry. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on all social media. Instagram, at It's a Music Thing MB. Facebook, It's a Music Thing. And the website is itsamusicthing.com. If you feel so inclined, you can drop your host, Dwayne Larson, an email. It's a music thing, MB at gmail.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Dwayne Larson. back to It's a Music Thing, the podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Larson. On today's show, I'm super excited. Uh, I put the call out there for, you know, any anybody that I know that knows anybody that works behind the scenes in the music industry, you know, tag a friend that works in in the industry, you know, just, just get me some people that I can talk to that I might not know. And I got introduced to this wonderful person, she is um, has done tour managing for Comeback Kid, as well as uh, worked uh, in 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 merch, and also she's the assistant tour manager for Parkway Drive. So she has done a lot a lot of stuff. Her name is Tanner Herman, and it was great to. She's originally here from Winnipeg. Um, I think we may have met in passing at some point. I'm I'm not totally sure. But she's now living in Germany, and it's it was great to learn her story and how she got into doing what it is she does. It's, you know, it's never easy working in the music industry, and right now it's very tough because nothing is happening. But it was, it was great to learn how she, you know, how she started. I love people's stories, and I love learning more about them. So a big thank you to Tanner for taking the time to talk to me. And, you know, we, we get into a little bit of everything. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to talk too long here. Uh, so go listen to the episode because it's the easiest way. And before you do that, though, a few thank yous. A big thank you to the wonderful ladies in the Sorrells for providing the music on the show. Uh, or the, the intro music, I should say, rather. Um, I appreciate it a lot. I love those ladies. They get a new EP out. Go check it out. Everything will be in the description. You can, you know... Go, go pick up a record. It's 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 really good. And also a big thank you to the lovely folks at the WPG.ca. Head over there. Check out. They've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of different articles, kind of daily content always coming up. So it was great of them to bring me in as part of their podcast family. And it's been great. I love them. Go, go check them out, the WPG.ca. But for now... Go listen to my conversation with Tanner. All right. I guess um, first and foremost, who am I speaking with today? Uh, my name is Tanner Herman. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, yeah. And I live in Berlin, Germany now for like six years. I was uh, I was just talking to someone from Germany last night, but we'll we'll get into that because he knows who you are. And he said you are a force of nature. 
Oh my God. I can't, who is it? I can't I'll, wait to find out. I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. But, um, the first question I always like to ask in every single podcast that I do is what is your first memory of music that wasn't like, um, like that's outside, like a nursery rhyme or a lullaby that really captured your attention. Like live music or just music in general? Just music in general. Like some, maybe something on the radio or a parent had a tape or a record or something. And there is no yeah. wrong answer. Uh, I remember we had a record player in our living room and I would use, I used to listen to just like, like Patsy Cline or the Beatles or yeah, I would just play records in the living room. But other than that, my family wasn't super musical. Like there wasn't always music playing or anything, but yeah, that's probably one of my first memories of like groove into music. I always ask that question and people, some people are kind of like embarrassed about what their answer is. And I'm like, when I did uh, my interview, interview with Fred Penner it was like it was like classical music and I'm like there there is no wrong answer like mine is um oh what the hell is it oh survivor I have the tiger oh nice I remember yeah. having this like little white tape that I would put in there and just that's the only song I can remember on that album because what else do you need yeah <laughs> so you you said you grew up in Winnipeg um mm -hmm. you're like born and raised here mm -hmm. um and did let me let me think what the the question is here it's 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 early here not really it's 10 yeah i know it's, sorry it's 10 a.m it's not that early um do you um did you like start playing music you, i know you said your family wasn't very musical or there wasn't music kind of always on but did you start playing an instrument uh, we had a piano in our dining room that we would kind of mess around on. But other than that, not or it's actually in school, in like grade seven, we were allowed to take band or guitar and I took mm. a guitar. So we would like play some about a girl. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was about it though. Grade seven and eight, I did some acoustic guitar, but that's it really as far as music goes. And so growing up in Winnipeg, did you, when did you go to your first show? Like, can you remember the first show you went to? And again, it could be stadium. It could be basement. Yeah. So my first, uh, like proper concert I went to, I was 10 years old and I went to see Paul McCartney with my dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like the outdoor arena, I guess. And then when I was 12, I went to see the Rolling Stones with my dad and then like Alanis Morissette. Those are like the three big concerts I remember between like 10 and 12, I guess, 10 and 13 maybe, yeah. So you're like between 10 and 13 when you went to your first shows. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what, yeah. Can, can you remember, especially that first one, can you remember anything from it? Was it like overload and like, what what is all this here? I remember some guys were passing around a joint in front of me like, <laughs> And I just remember, like, because, I mean, it's, like, Paul McCartney. Obviously, he's huge, right? Mm. Like, he's so epic. So I just remember, like, knowing it was something epic. And I guess I probably would have known some of the hits that he played. Um, but, yeah, I just knew it was something really big and cool. Like, you know, you can, when you're a kid, you can, like, sense your parents' excitement. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's, like, I knew my dad was so stoked. So, like, I took on that, and I was super stoked, too, you know? And so after that 10, 13 years old, you, you've seen some, like you've been to big concerts, like you said, Paul McCartney, The Stones, Alanis Morissette. Um, and for, for folks that don't know, like you, you tour managed for Comeback Kid and other folks. What, when did you start going to like, when did punk rock kind of rear its wonderful, ugly head? Yeah. So my first like kind of like 
strange punkish show in Winnipeg was uh, I was probably 13 and my brother used to play in a band. He played in a band called Kentucky Fried Children. <laughs> and <laughs> sure. And they played at Aussie. So I remember going to my dad, like I was so young. We like went and I was just like, wow, what is this? And then um, as far as when I actually got into it myself, I was 15. And my first show was I went to, you know, the Vineyard Center on Main Street. I don't. Okay. So it was like this, they used to have shows there. It was like a church affiliated kind of center. Oh, okay. But they were- and um, repressed this like hardcore kind of metal band. It's been shambles. Uh, one of Andrews, I, I think one of Andrews bands might have played too. But yeah, it was just this like random punk hardcore metal show, and that was like my full on first introduction to it. I was like, this is so cool. And did you like? Did you ever equate that kind of like small show with being at a big show and kind of like, you know? the big show is kind of cool and it's neat, but this is, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Cause I think like at a big concert, it's just, you're so removed from it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, especially like our seats, they weren't great seats, you know, like Paul McCartney's like this big. So yeah. Like when you're at like a show where it's like so hot, it's like sweaty. It was in the summer as well. So it was like really hot in there and yeah you just like feel the energy and stuff so yeah i didn't it's just definitely seemed like two different things to me like two completely different things you know and so at that point did you start going to shows like kind of all the time whenever whenever they popped up yeah yeah exactly so um i actually got into music through christianity i wasn't a christian growing up and then i became a christian when i was 15 it was yeah kind of an odd route to take into music, but yeah, I became a Christian when I was 15. And then that's when, cause there was a bit, I don't know if you're a part of it or remember or old enough, but like there used to be a huge Christian music scene in Winnipeg. So um, the show. Sorry. What's that? Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, not really. I mean, I grew up in Southeast Saskatchewan. I said, do you remember? Oh, okay. 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 Like I've been, I've been here in Winnipeg for 10 years, but they definitely, I went to a few shows, um, at the the church in Winnipeg or Winnipeg in in Estevan, and yeah, there mm-hmm. there was always some kind of music going on there. And I did like me personally, I did like a lot of like Christian punk bands. Not that I mm-hmm. I didn't kind of fall into the the trappings of. Um, I mean, I grew up Roman Catholic, got out of it because I'm like I fucking hate all of this shit. Um, <laughs> and I mean. I, I, I still loved a lot of the bands that, you know, I, maybe not their message, but I like the music, like early MXPX, um, Goaty Hook, every, a lot of stuff from Tooth and Nail. But so and I know there was a scene of yeah. like, especially that like Christian hardcore stuff. Exactly. Yeah, this is like 97. So it's real, real long time ago at this point. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of got into it that way. Like I didn't go to shows at all before and then I just like uh, a friend introduced me to this world and I just thought everyone was really cool and it just kind of like snowballed from there that all I wanted to do was just like go to shows and hang out with these people because I thought like they were so different from anything that I knew Mm -hmm. what were some of those early bands that kind of got introduced to you through the like the Christian music local ones or just in general in in general local or in in general all of them Uh, so like yeah like Zayo like uh notice and victim uh mxpx um oh what was that one the supertones yeah yeah, yeah. This, 
like some sick uh, ska. Uh, <laughs> what else? Yeah, basically that. It was like we were all like super into like ska and hardcore and punk, different punk bands. And we actually, when I was like, I just turned 16, there was this, um, a great memory with music is that there was this Christian music festival called Cornerstone. Okay. It was Bushnell, Illinois. It was like a few hours outside of Chicago and all my friends were going and my parents at first were like, you're six, you just turned 16. Like you're not driving down to Illinois by yourself, you know, like, no. Yeah. And I, I wrote my mom this like huge letter and I was like, please let me go. So they finally, they let me go. And uh, that was such a cool experience. Cause it was just like a week long music festival. We like camped in the bush and there were so many bands playing. It was really, really cool. What, what, I mean, what were some of the bands there? I mean, I guess I could Google it, but. Yeah. Like honestly, the bands that I just named. Oh, like, okay. Any, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like Zayo. Yeah. Notice and Victim, all those bands. Um, uh, maybe like X Disciple XAD. Actually MC Hammer played one year. Cause remember he turned Christian. So he I do. Was, yeah. He was like a big headliner. Um, oh, that's amazing. It was so weird. Um, but yeah, that was like a really, really, really fun time. I did that about three years, I think three summers we drive down to Cornerstone. That kind of sounds like me and driving to Warp Tour in Calgary. It just oh yeah, like, I we because like in Saskatchewan there's nothing close, so it was either Toronto, Minneapolis, or Calgary when they had it, and I think we went three years in a row, and I saw a lot of my favorite bands, kind of if you call it that, because like thirty minute sets that's that's not a set like yeah you know you see your favorite band you want them to play an hour plus ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, going, going to the kind of like a Christian concert, like Cornerstone, what kind of things like, would you tell, would it be like partying going on or was it very like, kind of like straight laced and just kind of, I'm not saying you're all singing Kumbaya around a campfire, but. You know what, honestly, I mean, I guess that like looking back, there must've been people that would go and party, but Mm -hmm. like that not our vibe at all like you know I, I never necessarily called myself straight edge but like straight edge was a big thing back then and like I said I was like actually just 16 you know and we were all like really like I was my parents aren't Christian so I was like choosing to be a Christian so like being a Christian at that time for me meant like being sober because mm-hmm. again I'm 16 <laughs> um and yeah we just like hung out the week and like met people and went to shows and it was so much fun. It was such a cool experience to go to when I was 16. Yeah. It, it would be a cool experience to do now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, I mean, you were like filthy for a week, but when you're 16, you don't really care about much, you know? No, you sure don't. It's like going to folk fest and not showering for three or four days and then going exactly. home and chiseling all the dirt off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a badge of pride. You're just like, I'm filthy. Yeah. yeah. Let's see how black I can get the bottoms of my feet and, that, that I'll be the coolest. Exactly. So when, when you graduate, what, where does your life kind of take you from there? Do you go to school? Do you, do you keep, I mean, obviously you still kept in, in, in music. You still kept going to shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't go to school. So like, so when I was, like I said, when I was 15, I started going to shows and like, I kind of broke away from like, I was from Transcona. Okay. I kind of like, I mean, my parents still live in the same house that I lived in growing up, but like, I kind of cut any like, uh, social ties to Transcona. So like the second I graduated, I was kind of just like, okay, I'm over that. Like looked in the rear view mirror, like never looked back, you know, Mm -hmm. like 
because during school as well, like we would always like, my parents are so cool. Like I'd be like, can I have Monday off or going to Minneapolis for a show or, you know, we're going to go to Toronto for the weekend or, you know, we would always do this crazy stuff. And so school was just kind of like holding back my life and my <laughs> plans of things I wanted to do. Um, yeah. So when I was like 18, I ended up like working at Applebee's for a year, but then when I was 19, I went on my first tour. Um, and then I just did like a whole bunch of traveling. Like I don't, I was thinking about it a few weeks ago and I was like, I don't know how I afforded any of it. Like I paid for it all myself. Like my parents weren't giving me money to yeah. do anything. But I'm just like, how did I afford to like go on all these trips and do all these things? But um, yeah, so that was basically that. I just worked for the year, saved up money, I guess, and then just kind of been, was traveling after that. So that first tour, who did you who did you go on tour with and how did that kind of present itself? Um, so my first tour before that is I was in my own band and okay. we did like a couple shorter tours. Um, we did like two tours out east, like two different summers for like two weeks. So that was like kind of my first taste of like going away for a bit. And then, yeah, when I was 19, I went with figure four, Andrew from comeback kids, old band and yep. Jeremy. And yeah, I just really wanted to go and travel and touring seemed like the easiest way. And yeah, just the easiest and I guess cheapest way to see the world, you know, cause again, growing up my family, we didn't really travel or do anything. Like I wasn't, didn't fly, go on an airplane until I was 19. Um, we'd go to like Fargo for vacation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was just really excited to see like, so figure four got signed when I was 18 to, uh, face down records in California. And they went out touring like the year before I graduated and they came home with all these stories. And I was like, I want to see everything, you know? So I guess I can't remember how they asked me, but I guess like, I just put the bug in their ear that I really wanted to go on tour. And if they needed someone to sell their, XL t-shirts that I would gladly do. <laughs> no, no small t-shirts, just, just the XLs. Cause oh, you know, solid XL, Navy blue or black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did, how did you meet those folks in figure four? Were they just like through school or just from going to shows? No. So like that first show that I went to when I was 15, oh. they were yeah, like, so they were at that show. I didn't like meet Jeremy or Andrew at that show, but like they were there. And that's when I was kind of like locked in being like, all right, I want to be a part of this world. And then the people that I went with to that show kind of knew them and it just kind of went from there. So oh, I've okay. known, yeah, I've known Jeremy and Andrew since I was 15. Me and Jeremy were just trading um, um, texts the other day cause he's delivering for, for Uber eats mm -hmm. and I'm doing some stuff for a, a local uh, vegan restaurant here. Just, kind of three days a week delivering food for them, especially now we're super busy. Um, and we were just bitching about how um, people really need to have their lights really lit up on their house. Cause it's really fucking annoying when you're trying to find a house at night and you got to like creepily slow down and look. Yeah. And then just keep driving. Cause it's the wrong one. Even though Google maps tells you and takes you right to where you're supposed to go. There are always yeah, a yeah. few hoses off. And you just look like a creep on the, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I, I told them, I'm like, I just kind of want to get like a big spotlight, like, you know, the ones the cops have and just like yeah, yeah. shine it right in the houses. But then I'll probably, the cops will probably come yeah. check on me. <laughs> so the, I mean, I guess the first, um, when you're in your own band and you do your first tour, did that kind of live up to everything you thought it was going to be going on tour? Cause I imagine you're sleeping on couches and floors and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny thinking back because I'm just like, ugh, you know. <laughs> but 
like, yeah, no, it was so much fun. Like we ended up, like we broke even on the two tours that we did. Like nothing was ever out of pocket. I don't know how, like that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just really, really great. Like we met a bunch of friends that I don't necessarily keep in touch with any of the people I met on those tours. Um, but you know, you just never forget them. Like when you're young and you meet people, I feel like it really kind of ingrains into you deeper and everything we were just it was really great like we had it was a great group like the band we all got along really well and uh the so it was me and this other girl with the singers and she's like still one of my best friends like we're actually going to talk after i talk to you nice and yeah so it was just like some of the best memories as well because we just like you know you can't really ask for anything better than like being with some of your best friends and traveling around and playing music and what what was that band called grace like winter and did you guys record yeah, yeah, we did. We did like um, we did a split e- or a split with uh, one of Andrew's old bands, okay. and then we did like a couple of like short. I think we did like three recordings, maybe four. And so that first um, first tour with with Figure Four doing merch was that your first kind of experience mm-hmm. at seeing, um, kind of that that the the world that you don't have to be on stage. There's a kind of a whole new world that takes care of the band and that drives the machine. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it was more cat, like it's definitely different than it is now with touring. Like mm-hmm. touring is at a low level like that. It's like, it's a lot more pro now, you know? So back then it was just kind of like, um, yeah, it was interesting. I was just so grateful to be there that I was like stoked to be there at any capacity, you know? Um, yeah. And like, I mean, I guess they, they probably could have sold their own t-shirts. Like it wasn't <laughs> too crazy, you know, but yeah, I was so thrilled to just be a part of it and to see the whole, like all of America or a lot of America. And so is that where they toured like all through, all through the, the kind of States? Exactly. Yeah. They did a lot of, um, they actually, on that tour, I ended up taking a bus down to, I was supposed to meet them in Virginia, but then, cause they were flying in from Brazil. Oh, okay. And meet me but then their van broke down so then i took a bus further to south carolina and then we went like yeah florida i think we went across to california like i feel like it was like a two-month tour but it maybe was only a month like it's hard to remember at this point and then after that um is that when you really kind of um dialed into i want to work on the kind of i don't want to say admin side but basically the admin um the production side of things rather than maybe being on stage yeah, like, so my band ended when I was 19. Like, we basically ended then just because the people were all going, like, in different directions. Um, and as far as, like, the touring thing, so I would do merch. Like, I did merch with them, like, 2002, 2003, and then I was off for a few years. And then 2007, I kind of got back into it with Comeback Kid. Mm-hmm. And I did merch for them for, like, 2007, 2008. And then in 2009 was kind of when I was like, okay, wait a minute, like, I could probably like do a little more than selling t-shirts. Like not like there's anything bad about selling t-shirts. Like it's actually really difficult sometimes when it's like a lot of inventory, you know? Um, But like, just for me personally, like the way that my mind works, I was like, I think I would maybe prefer to do like more of the organizing or whatever. So that's when I was kind of started thinking about tour managing. Cause for the longest time I was, I don't know. I just had this idea where I was like, it didn't even kind of seem like an option, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was just kind of grateful to be there in whatever capacity. But then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I have been kind of doing this for a while now. Like maybe I could learn some more stuff. And especially being on tour, as long as you had been like doing, doing merch, I'm sure you saw, did they have tour managers that were 
tour managing them or were they kind of doing it them themselves at that point still? Yeah. So 2007 was like kind of like the first tours where I did merch. No, there was no tour manager, yeah. you know, but yeah, 2007, when I started working with comeback kid, they did have a tour manager. Um, but then like he was getting married or something. So it kind of just worked out that I stepped into that place when he was, um, just kind of going to a different direction with his life. Because I'm sure you saw what he did. And like you said, you're like, I can, I can do this. I should do this. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like I was like, well, that's like, you know, just again, like new things to learn or whatever. And <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I had talked to a uh, propaganda tour manager and, mm-hmm. Um, he kind of gave me the the outlining of what he does. So, like, let's go back to 2009. Your 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 tour managing comeback kid. What all does that entail for for folks that don't know? Like, what does a tour manager do besides kind of everything? Uh, yeah. So that's a good question. I um I like can't remember because it's already been too long. But uh, <laughs> COVID. Um. So, I mean, basically, you're just kind of like before the tour starts, you kind of want to just have an overview of everything. So um, you want to have an idea like with the shows, like how long the drives are and you're going to be in touch with all the promoters and just like discussing timetables. There'll be like a catering budget for shows. So you're going to talk about how you're going to use that catering budget. Um, Yeah. Just work out when load-in will be like it's pretty pretty easy stuff like at a smaller level you know like it's primarily just like yeah talking about timetables and then like the catering budget and then of course you're going to settle the show after and just you know how many people came how many pre-sales were there how many mm-hmm. walked up uh did we go into any back end like is there, so meaning like do you make any money on top of your guarantee um and then like aside from that you're doing like all the accounting on the road as well so um because in canada it's really great. Like you can get different grants from the government, mm-hmm. but to have that, I mean, and if you're like a band at a certain level, you got to have your finances in order, you know, have all your receipts and like really keep track of that. So I have like a love hate with it. I kind of don't mind doing it, but on the other hand, I'm just, it's like one of my most hated tasks, you know, or tasks. Um, but yeah, you just do like a lot of Excel sheets and you have all the money and organize that stuff. And and then yeah booking hotels like with comeback kid jeremy the guitar player he always enjoyed like booking hotels it was mm-hmm. like i don't know he just liked it so he would do that um but yeah you would just book things flights just kind of make sure all the logistics are covered yeah and back in 2009 i mean now there's um i've watched a few documentaries on tour managers there's like there's apps for everything that report back to you know to their their, their big management, their tour people, their record labels, all that kind of stuff. Like you input sales and that just goes into something. But back in 2009, there wasn't anything really like that. I'm sure it was like pen, paper, like sheets, then you input it, then you send it. Um, so, I mean, you, you had guarantees and stuff like that, but did you ever find it difficult when you're settling up at the end of the night especially being a woman, did that ever come into play where, where promoters that are notoriously known for being shady and can be shady, not all of them. Um, mm-hmm. But did that ever, did that sexism ever come into play where you had to be like, all right, no fucking give me what we need. I'm not leaving this office till I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't actually have any strong memories of that. I'm sure like I'm certain it happened, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but no, I don't really have any memories that jump out about that. 
which is, I guess, fortunate, um, or I block them out, one or the other. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess at the time we did though, like, cause yeah, like I started tour managing like more like 2010 and like I did have like Excel sheets and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like really easy. Cause you just like punch in the numbers and it just tells you like, you know, your own X amount of dollars extra or whatever. Um, but yeah, I never had to get too crazy, like pushing too hard or grinding them too hard on any details. Fortunately, mm -hmm. um, I did have one a promoter wants just be like this was with uh when i was working with flatliners they were he was just like no i i don't have the money and i'm like oh uh, okay like it was like it was my first night with like they're friends of mine but it was like my first night working with them and it never happened to me before and yeah. i was just like, okay like what what am i what are we supposed to do you know and yeah. they did get paid the money like uh he might have given us some money but yeah that's the only time that i ever got like ripped off Cause this guy was just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, like disagree guarantee. He couldn't afford. Oh, I, I was going to say, did the show not sell well or just it was like a mix of that? Like he was just like one of those people, maybe not realizing that like a guarantee is a guarantee. Yeah. It's not like a suggested idea amount of money. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when I did shows back in Saskatchewan, I, I never worked on a guarantee just because I never knew how many kids were going to show up. Cause like it was a, it was a town of 10,000. Yeah. Um, I also, I like to pride myself on the fact that I'm not going to rip bands off. Even if I lost money on the show, like I think the least I ever paid a band was 60 bucks. And I'm like, I am so sorry, but this is, this is everything. I'm not even taking money for like the flyers I printed. I'm losing money on that. Um, so, I mean, I, that, that must've sucked having to like deal with that and getting ripped off, especially your first night on tour with your friends. And it's like, yeah. Oh, I hope they don't hate me now. I know. And of course I'm like, this never happens. Like, you know, like, yeah, but, uh, they, I mean, they were like, they were there. Yeah. They understood how hopeless the guy was. So yeah. And I'm sure they, <laughs> they've been around and they've seen it enough that, you know, it, it's not going to sink the ship. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, a lot of people dur during the show, um, what, what are you doing as a tour manager? Because I know, you know, I, I see, I always like to bug, um, folks that are doing sound because it looks like they're doing something, but sometimes they're just moving that little knob, just like they constantly have their fingers on it, sort of kind of doing nothing, but seemingly doing something until shit hits the fan. Then they're really doing something. Um, mm -hmm. But what, what is a tour manager kind of, you know, doing during the show? Because that would kind of seem like that might be kind of like your your downtime a little bit. Yeah. So, like, okay, well, now we're going to jump up to, like, my more recent experience. Like, so I've worked primarily in Europe the last five years. Okay. Um, yeah. So in Europe, you're always in a bus or generally, you know, 90% of the time the tours are going to be in a bus. So during the show, you're going to, like, um organize after show food so in europe i don't know if you've talked to anyone here before but like you get treated very well okay. <laughs> uh like catering budgets are huge they feed you you get into the venue at like you know between it depends the size of the tour but between like 8 and 1 p.m and so you're gonna have like breakfast or lunch ready for you they're gonna serve you dinner and then they're gonna serve you after show food as well generally not always but like that's kind of how it goes um yeah so during the show you're just gonna kind of like uh, make sure the after show food's ready, um, make sure people are loading out their gear and like 
taking care of whatever they need to take care of. It really depends on how big the tour is as mm -hmm. well. So like if, if you, and like, so this is assuming like I'm the tour manager of the whole tour, I'm going to like make sure with like each of my contact points of each band, like they have everything under control. Um, make sure that there's enough water for the bands. Um, what else? Yeah. I just like, honestly, you're kind of just like, once the show starts, that's kind of the easy part, you mm -hmm. know, like she'll be coordinating press as well for the bands, but that as well will generally be done earlier in the night. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the easier part because everything's been set up beforehand, you know, like a lot of your work is beforehand. So yeah. once the show happening, you're just kind of making sure that like everything's running on time and there's no fires anywhere that needs to be put out. Can you think of one of those times <clears throat> and it could be more recent or in the past as a tour manager, you've had to like put out a fire while the band's kind of not around and they never even knew about it until you know, well after the fact? Hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm totally blanking right now. I'm sure there's things. Let me think. Not really that I can think of. I'm certain there has been for sure. I'm sure you just but don't I think about it. It's just like, this has to get done and let's do it now. Exactly. Yeah, for real. Like, that's it. You're just like, you just it's yeah you're just used to dealing with so many weird scenarios and like <laughs> fully outrageous no for real like some of the stuff you're just like sure this is what we're doing today you know um so it's just it becomes kind of like common play that things can be pretty crazy you know and when you're dealing with um because like you said you moved over to europe which we'll we'll get into why and how and all that kind of stuff in a second um, but when you're dealing with, uh, people in bands, sometimes they have inflated egos, not all mm -hmm. the time. Sometimes they're super chill and really down to earth. How do you personally deal with, you know, when someone in a band or even, you know, even a hanger on or, cause I'm sure you've seen enough of those start mm -hmm. to get like an inflated head. How do you deal with them when they're kind of being belligerent or think that when they're getting too full of themselves? Oh, I cannot tolerate it. Like, no. I'm, no I am I no I'm not a fan like because anyone that I've worked with like is really great people honestly mm -hmm. you know like, the guys in comeback hit are really great the bands I've been working with lately are really great so I'm just so used to people being like having common decency and being normal you know so but you definitely see it and I just I really have no patience for it um fortunately I haven't really been in a position where I'm working for a band that's like that there was like one time kind of a band that I was working for that it was like kind of in that area, but I just was like, I'm never going to work for them again. You know, it wasn't that crazy, but it was just, it went past my like meter of tolerance, you know, where I was yeah. like, you know, I'm like, no, no, not doing this again. So, but yeah, for the most part, everyone's pretty chill and doesn't really have any egos that I've dealt with. Like I've seen it from afar, right? Like you see it in other bands or like, Maybe when I've been with a band that's a support for another, like for a, a headliner, I'll see it. But yeah. like, I don't necessarily directly have to deal with those people, luckily. And that must make you feel better about like, it's kind of like looking over to the people you're working with and being like, yeah, I, I, I've got a good here. I don't, I couldn't imagine working for fuckheads like that. Oh, fully, fully, fully. I just, I just don't understand. I mean, like, again, like coming from Winnipeg, everyone's pretty like, I don't know we're all pretty 
um, meat and potatoes, I think. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one really has, like, attitudes, I think. No. Or, and I mean, some of the biggest, I mean, short of, you know, like Burton Cummings or something like that, which whatever. Um, but like the, the, the bands that like me and you love and, yeah. you know, it's like I told the story just I think the, the last interview I was like standing when I first moved here like 10 years ago, I was standing in line at the TD just like waiting to do my business and like three people in front of me is Jord. Yeah. And I'm like. I like, I, it was one of those things I'd worked with propaganda. I put a show on for them in Estevan, but it's like the drummer of my favorite band is three people in front of me. And I kind of like look around and I'm like, does nobody realize? Like, I'm like, I love Winnipeg. This is great. So yeah, like it's, it's very, I can see having, especially with the comeback kid folks, like they're super chill and laid that like laid back. Exactly. And like, that's a great example. Like the propaganda comeback kid did like two or three tours with them. And the same thing, it's like propaganda are like such like a legendary band, you know, but they're just like so down to earth and chill. And like, they're a band for like, for all intents and purposes could like, could have an attitude, you know, but they don't, they're like normal guys that are just, and I'm like, that's so sick. Like, that's just how it should always be because we're all just people, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. It's like, just treat everyone with human decency and we're good. We're good. Yeah. Until you, there's a reason not to just like, we're all on the same level, you know? Um, and so you said six years ago, you moved over to, to Europe. What was that kind of catalyst that brought you over to, to Germany was, and was it Germany straight away? Yeah. Yeah. So I moved, uh, so I was working with comeback kid, like from 2000 and, like straight from 2009, 2014. And I was just kind of like, wanted to try something new. So I knew it was, and I always wanted, like I'd lived in America for a couple of years, but I always wanted to live abroad somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I went to Berlin um, quite a few times on tour. And I just really liked the vibe of the city. And there's just like, uh, there was a visa that was really simple. You basically apply for it and you get it. Uh, And it allows you to work here, live and work here for a year. So I just did that. Like, it was just something I wanted to try and to see if I could hack it. And, uh, and I've been here ever since. And what was it about Berlin that like captured your, you know, you wanting to be there as opposed to like, I don't know, like Copenhagen or somewhere else in Europe. Have you been here before? I haven't. Unfortunately, the, the farthest East I've gotten has been, um, Oh God, what's it been? Two years ago, we went to, I was, I'm, I'm a photographer. I was supposed to shooting a wedding in Ireland. Oh, cool. And then the couple, I talked to them, like it was three or four months before the wedding. And I'm like, okay, where, where's the area that you're getting married again? Cause I've got this like week and a half already booked everywhere that we're going to be. Cause I'm like, I'm going to Ireland. I'm, I, it, that was my like bucket list. I've wanted to go forever. I'm like, where are you guys getting married again? So I can book accommodations and I can just figure out where I need to be and when I need to be there. And they're like, yeah, actually we're having twins. So I'm like, Oh, well your deposit's non-refundable <laughs> and I'm still, and I'm still going. So yeah, we, we did a few days in London then. And then a week in a little bit in, in Ireland, but London, I guess has been the farthest East into Europe. I've been unfortunately so far. Okay, cool. Yeah. London's really great too. I like it there as well. Um, yeah, Berlin, I don't, it just has like a real like gritty vibe to it. And it's like, 
there's so much history here and I mean Europe as a whole I really love um yeah it just has such a different vibe from Canada and America like North America as mm. a whole and yeah there's just I don't know it's I should probably know how to explain this better but yeah it's just really gritty and like down to earth um I like always joke here that nobody like the idea of working 20 hours a week people are like just can't handle it like everyone just here is so laid back and I just really like the vibe in general that it's super laid back also I knew like coming here I didn't know any German before moving here so like this would be the city in Germany to come to not speaking any German okay uh, and I yeah you know because I mean it's so like so many people are just like drawn to the city like from all over all over Europe and all over the world and I did have some contacts here as well. So I thought that it would maybe be helpful for like getting a job or like starting, you know, some sort of life here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just also, I mean, the fact that I had worked in music, I didn't, I came here and I didn't plan on working in music again, but I guess in the back of my mind, I was like, there's maybe that could be like kind of a backup plan if I did want to get back into it, which I obviously did. Um, but yeah, it's like the hub in Germany with like just so many shows and venues and everything. It, I mean, when you're describing it, that's kind of how I felt that that exactly is how I felt the first time I visited Winnipeg. Mm. I'm like, it's gritty. It's dirty. It's very gross. Not very gross. It's pretty gross. But then, <laughs> but then you like, and I always like to say it, I'm like, you polish up that turd a little bit and you really, once you get under the dirt and the grossness, it's like, no matter what you're into, um, like if it's punk, hardcore, hip hop, any kind of music, like there is a scene for you to go to and they all are very incestuous. Cause you like, you can see metal kids at hardcore shows and hardcore kids at hip hop shows. And like, it's, which is what I loved. And then, I mean, the art scene and is phenomenal here too. And it's just like, once you get into the city, cause people always say, it's like, yeah, Winnipeg, you aren't you scared of getting stabbed? I'm like, no, just don't be a, fucking asshole and you're probably yeah. not going to get stabbed sure random acts of violence happen but you know just don't be a dick it's that easy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly Winnipeg's really great like that too like I, yeah exactly like there's everything here that you would ever want to do like every style of music like yeah it's it never ceases to like surprise me like the different scenes that there are in the city there's mm -hmm literally everything and it's like super uh, progressive as well like not like germany as a whole isn't necessarily but berlin like it's so accepting of everything you know and oh not to mention that it's like i would characterize it as the vegan capital of the world oh um, that maybe has changed since but i always thought seattle was like up there as well but berlin like i'm vegan and uh yeah, just everywhere it's like veganism and yeah, it's just it's just a really cool city. It has like actually as well for like being a capital city, it has like tons of parks, oh, lots okay. of like green outdoor stuff. Um, I like love riding my bike. There's like you know Europe as a whole generally is like very bike friendly, mm -hmm. but like yeah, just for biking, it's a really great city. So yeah, there's just so many different things to it that I really enjoy. That's perfect. I'm I'm. I'm going to use your endorsement of, uh, you know, veganism to, to, to get my girlfriend over there. Not that I think it'll take too much convincing because she's, she's like a hundred percent vegan has been now for five years, six years, something like that. And I'm, I'm vegan at home, 
because I mean, just give me good food. I'm going to eat it. Um, I don't eat too much. I don't eat any red meat. The odd time fried chicken is like my fried chicken is my kryptonite. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) I've tried so hard the different kind of seitans and the different fried tofus to be chicken. And I'm like, this is, it's, it's not even close. I've had other quote unquote meats that are very close. And I made a really good corned beef recipe out of seitan the other day, but fried chicken, I just, I can't do it. There's just something always drags me in. I get it. Deep fried things are great. <laughs> it's, yep. A hundred percent. And right now we're doing, we're like right in the middle of the vegan week here in Winnipeg. So we've been eating out a lot more than we should, but it's the first time a lot of these places have offered like fully vegan stuff. So, you know, spend the money while we kind of sort of not really have it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you had said that you kind of didn't want to get back into music when you moved to, um, to Germany. What kind of prompted you kind of going back into that, that realm? Yeah, just like, so I'd been like kind of touring on and off for quite some time at that point. And like with Comeback Kid, it, like we, we had a pretty, it was pretty intense. Like mm-hmm. I look back at some of the schedule and I'm like, I, I couldn't do that now. Like it's, it was too much. Like, I mean, at the time it was what it wasn't, it was a great experience, but like, yeah, they tour so much or they did at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really wanted a break from it. And I kind of felt like with them, I'd learned maybe as much as I could at the time, you know, and just needed a change. But then when I got here, I mean, it, it's like touring and traveling around is like so ingrained in me that I just like, you know, I really love being in the city, but I just started to miss it, you know? So then I started like putting some feelers out, like uh, maybe like a year ish after less than a year after I like moved here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what were you, what were you doing in that meantime for the, the uh, year? Were you just kind of like hanging out and just odd jobs? No, I, was, I was, yeah, I was working at uh, actually who I live with now, the girl. So flatliners were here on tour and we went out one night and they introduced me to a friend of theirs who hooked me up with my first job here at a skate park. Nice. Yeah, it was really cool. And we live together now. So which is really cool. And yeah, so I worked at the skate park, but also there was like Berlin or Germany as a whole loves like outdoor beer gardens. So that summer I worked at this like outdoor beer garden scenario. And that was a lot of fun. It was intense because like bars here never like they close when they close. There's not like any. (laughs) Yeah, for real. It's, it's bonkers. Like, you know, kids here can drink beer at 16. Um, and yeah, bars just close when it's not busy anymore, especially in the weekends, especially in the summer. Mm. So like the first summer was pretty intense where I'd be like working till it's light out in the morning, you know, but it was like at the same time, it was a cool experience. Like, cause it was very Berlin, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I did that and then I just went like the skate hall and this bar were kind of connected and I, yeah, just worked there until I started going back on tour again. Are you one of those folks that like, can't stay in one spot for too long. Like, I mean, I know you've been in Berlin for a while, but like, you know, just staying there working within the city did that. I mean, obviously that itch came back up to like get out and keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, prior to that, like I really moved around a lot. Like I, the year before I moved here, I've done this like two separate years of my life where I lived nowhere. Like I would just like go from tour to tour to tour. And then between tours, I would travel 
or I would go visit my parents, but I like for just like lived out of a suitcase. Um, so yeah, the year before moving here, I did that. So coming here was kind of nice to relax. Um, but again, the bug came up where I was like, I need to start doing things. Cause like prior to that year, I was living in California for a couple of years and I lived in Toronto for some years. So I was, yeah, I've lived kind of all over, bounced around quite a bit. So, but now I am definitely, mm-hmm. I know everybody does this but I'm like I'm getting old like I still love traveling but I'm also quite content like having a regular schedule you know Mm. (laughs) yeah and so who did you reach out to and what was the first job back in the uh back in the music industry back in the biz uh so this guy who I met through comeback kid uh he like I met him like he was working with Bane his name's Oisey and he was working, or he's like been Parkway Drives tour manager. Okay. For and they were just like getting to the point where they needed an assistant tour manager. Like um, they hadn't had one yet, but they just keep growing. So he and I were kind of in talks a bit back and forth, like end of 2015. And then summer 2016 was when I did my first tour with them. And like, I was the first assistant tour manager that they had. So yeah, and it worked out really well. Like he's one of my closest friends now. and. He, yeah, he kind of like brought me back into the touring world, which has been great. But then other than that, like I've also done other tours since being here, but they're like my main job when they're, when they, when we're touring, <laughs> when the world is normal. Yeah. And I mean, we touched on a little bit of what a, a tour manager does, but being kind of the assistant to the tour manager, does that um, kind of deviate to, from what you were doing for other bands as their tour manager? So I love being the assistant tour manager. It's my favorite because like the tour manager, especially like with them, like, cause it's like a pretty high level. Like you have to, anything that goes wrong, like, like it's on him, right? He's mm-hmm. the tour manager. But I, I always just be like, I get to do all the fun stuff, like get the pizza. And like, if someone's birthday, I like decorate for their birthday. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like I run around a lot, but like, so I get to like kind of do all the things that I love, like running around, talking to a lot of people, like, you know, I'm not just like in one spot. Um, but I'm not like up at night worrying about, because I like, I have a hard time sleeping sometimes. So like, sometimes if it, if I was the tour manager for something with so many moving parts, like it'd probably be too much for my mind. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think we really complement each other well. So I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I really enjoy what I'm doing now. Did I answer a question? Yes. Yes. No, you totally did. Cause I'm, I'm also, I'm also (laughs) sure he's, he's very excited to have somebody that he can trust do, you know, do the stuff that needs to get done that, especially when you're on the level of like a parkway drive band that like, he's got a lot of shit to deal with. So he can't necessarily, you know, run and do this or do that if it needs to be done quickly and trusting someone from like the venue or like a runner to do it. You might get a half-assed job, whereas he knows that he's going to get everything done right with you. And you guys, I'm sure you help him out, and he helps you out when you know when things got to get done. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, like I think we work really well together, um, and I do really love being mobile. So, like in the summer, our last festival tour we did, it was like two separate blocks. Like I think there was like two three-week blocks we did, and I like added it up that I walked nearly 500 kilometers in this like four week or five week period yeah because it's especially at festivals like you're just walking and walking but i love it like i really love the active part of it you know and not like a lot of time he has to sit behind the computer and like 
like I said, be the person like contacting people and logistics, logistics. But whereas I'm like the person that's kind of more like, this needs to be brought here. This has to happen or this, you know, so I really enjoy my job. When, when you jump onto, um, or like, obviously, cause, um, when I was talking to, uh, Florian, um, he started doing, uh, like he started here with the weaker thens by just like emailing and saying, Hey, if you ever need an extra set of hands, and then he got a job with them and then with that management and then Paquin or Paki, however you say it, I don't know. I'm whatever. Um, and then move back to Germany and work for tour destiny. And now he's in Australia. It seems like he's kind of working up and it seems like the same way with you. It's like, you know, you're doing merch for, for figure four and then come back kid and then tour managing. And now you're assistant tour managing on a huge level. Um, when you get to that really big level, is there like, what's the job you hate doing the most or thing you really, it's like, I really don't want to do this, but I've got to do this because this is my job. Uh, <laughs> it's like such a small thing and it like is not even hard at all, but for some reason I hate doing it. It's so like when you're, <laughs> It's not hard at all. But when you're like touring in like um, really big venues, you have to put up signs in the morning, like where everything is. Yeah. So you just, you know, like from the buses to how to get to the venue, where catering is, where the showers are, where the dressing, where the stage is. I hate putting up the signs so much, so much. <laughs> I hate it. So normally Oise does that. Um, but otherwise, again, there's really nothing that pops to my mind that I'm just like, because I don't have to deal with it. Like I said, I like dealing with money, but I also kind of hate it. So mm -hmm. I don't do any of that. Um, he does that, all that stuff. So, yeah, there really isn't too much that I'm not too into. Do you have to deal with like, I mean, as a photographer, do you have to deal with like the photographers and press or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah, that can be a lot like at festivals and stuff like mm -hmm. there can be a lot things but I actually really enjoy that too like there's uh when the guys have done meet and greets that's always my favorite to go to because I'm just like hanging out when they're doing it and people are so excited and I love it <laughs> it's like people are amped up so I like I really like love that energy um has, has anyone yeah. ever got a little too you know amorous with any of the guys and you have to be like okay we gotta because when I did I've done a few meet and greets for true north and like I did the uh, the last time the Backstreet Boys were here, I got to oh do <laughs> I got to do just for um, just for one of the people at True North because it was like her last her last day as the kind of um, working in the marketing department and the Backstreet Boys were her favorite band so they like they like got her in and got a photo with all the guys, but like I didn't take any photos of anyone else. I just kind of stood there and hung out until I was allowed to take my photo. But seeing those people like crying and just so happy and no one got overly friendly with any of the guys, but I've seen other ones where it's like security is like grabbing them by the elbow and like you get two photos, one thing signed and gone. Is that yeah. your job to deal with kind of like the over amorous people? Uh, so usually like if it's like, uh, something that's like set up properly, like, you know, there'll be a bunch of security there and I'll be like talking to the security. Um, but generally speaking, it's pretty okay. Cause like we are like, I'll have to generally, cause the lineup will usually be like longer than our amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to like, kind of take a look at the line and guess like, okay, we can go till this person or whatever, you know? 
Um, so the security kind of helps to work to get people through or whatever, but it's no, generally people are okay. Um, but it is sometimes like, so I'm obviously not even in the band at all, you know, yeah. and I'm just observing this, but like, yeah, sometimes it is crazy how emotional people get, you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, I get it. Like people like music is so like people connect with it so deeply. And especially if you're going through like a hard time or this or that, like, so they connect with this music. And then when they meet the band, like that's their connection, you know? But it is kind of crazy to see people sometimes really emotional, you know, yeah. like, I don't know if it affects the guys, but for me, because I can be an emotional person, like, it almost like makes me emotional. Like one time I remember someone was just talking about something. I just had to like walk away because I was like, this is so intense, you know, like, yeah, it's uh, it can definitely get pretty emotionally taxing for me. And I'm not even like a part yeah. of it. You know? <laughs> have, have you had that chance being on tour and meeting so many people and so many different bands and stuff like that? Have you had that chance to meet someone that you never thought you would meet? And you were just kind of, cause again, uh, uh, Flo met when he met Andrew, when he moved here was kind of like his, his girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, this is my friend, Andrew. And Flo just said, he like looked up and he's like, I, I, I can't talk to him. Like, oh my God, like he, he got totally like, cause he loves Comeback Kid. Um, yeah. But have you had that chance where you met someone and you're just like, holy shit, this, this person is right in front of me. This is so cool. Not really. You know, I would love to meet Dave Grohl. I think he's so cool. Mm -hmm. That's somebody that I actually would like really love to meet. Uh, but otherwise there hasn't really been too many people that I've met where I've been like starstruck by, or I really love Jimmy world. If I got to hang out mm. with them one time in Australia, uh, when we were on this tour with Soundwave, it's like this, um, it's like a festival yep. tour where all these bands yeah, are traveling together. And there was a ping pong table set up and Jeremy's really good at ping pong. And he was playing all these people. And like, at one point, Jimmy, like Jim Atkins was like playing with Jeremy and I was just like losing my mind. <laughs> so much and I'm like oh my god um yeah I guess that's probably the most weird I ever got to both <laughs> somebody because yeah uh, I love Jimmy World but I, I mean I know how it goes like when you actually meet a band they're just people you yeah. know what I mean like chances are you're not even gonna get along with them so like that mystery's kind of been like taken like you know I know everyone's just kind of normal people so yeah it's kind of like hey how's it going hey how's it going Exactly. Like we probably, you know, maybe we'll get along, but you know, maybe not like probably not. So it's just like, I, I'm kind of like realistic about that fact. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same as you. I've, I've met, there's only been one that I like, I got to shoot his, his meet and greet with the, uh, the true North folks. And the whole day leading up, I felt like I was going to puke the whole day. Cause I've been a fan of this guy since I was like 15 years old and <clears throat> I get in the room and I'm like looking around and I'm like, okay, we got like 12 foot white ceilings. This will work. Okay. It's only this wide. Okay. My lens should work. Like I'm, I'm in whatever mode. And then Garth Brooks walks in and I'm just like, and he's like, Hey, I'm Garth. What's your name? And I'm like, I, why do you even care? like to me? That was what meant more than anything was he introduced himself to me and I've done enough of them. I'm just another photographer in another city. Like, he didn't need to do that, but I'm like, he was so nice and his wife was so nice. And that to me, I was like, it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
yeah, that, that's really cool to hear that. That like they, because exactly like we're talking before about the people that have attitudes, and he's mm-hmm. somebody who could have an attitude, right? Definitely. But like, just to like take that one second and be like, hey, I'm you know treat you like a human. Like yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, and I, I mean other folks like I think the last meet and greet I shot was the Offspring. Okay. And they. <laughs> And they were nice. They were, you know, and I, again, I'm not the biggest offspring fan, but it was, it was cool. It was neat. It's like, there's all the guys mm-hmm. click, click moving on. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's weird how people put, you know, musicians on such high pedestals and it's even shittier when they're shitty to their fans. And it just kind of like, it's kind of, you know, don't meet your heroes. Yeah which thankfully has not happened to me yet. So, um, so on the flip side though, I, I like sometimes I'm really, I, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. It, I was just going to say on the flip side, like the thing that I like, again, I'm not a, like a musician at any level where anyone, I'm not a musician at all, you know? So I can't imagine like being idolized by people, you know, but like the thing that I want to say is like, I like sometimes think of the flip side where it's like, I know these, that's kind of like the cost, right? Like you're a star and you know, that's what you have to deal with a bunch of fans, which I know like sounds funny because it's like, oh, poor you to deal with fans admiring you. Right. But like, that's, it's a lot like, you know, like, especially now where like people, it seems like, like with, with like social media and stuff, like people are so connected, like they'll see inside your house. Like if you want them to, of Mm -hmm. course, you know, so there's like this expectant like um, expectation. It seems that that like everyone should just be super open, like artists. I think you know. Yeah. And it's like that's a big ask to always have to be on, to always be like I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like no, I... I know nobody cares about me, and if I always have, it's exhausting. Like it's exhausting. Where so like my morning till night, I'm always meeting people, talking to people, and that's exhausting. That I have to like try to be positive and this and that, you know, and I really love it, but it's exhausting. So then like put that one step up where people have an expectation of me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm not just some rando, like they're expecting something from me. So I can't imagine having that level of expectation and having to like maintain this like positive image when you're just like, I just want to chill. You know, I just want, you know, Yeah. but again, I know that's the cost of the fame or whatever to a point, but on the other hand, sometimes I'm like, man, like that would be really rough to deal with, like all the time. It, it would be very, it would be exhausting. Like when you see, especially like people on like, let's say like a Lady Gaga level or yeah. something up there, like, yeah, just the ex- expectations of them and to be happy and like gregarious and like super into your fans after you've done like a two and a half hour show and then you've got ready and it's like, I just want to come down from this and chill, but you've got to do your meet and greets. You got to do all this stuff. And it's like, I've told people, I'm like, if I was a, like something on that level or a celebrity, I'm like, I'd be a fucking asshole. And I know I would be because I just wouldn't want to deal with shit. I'd be like, can, can you just, especially when you hear stories of people approaching folks when they're eating. Exactly. Yeah. I would blow up. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, there's the, there's the times where it's expected, like, obviously, if you're going to meet and greet, like, yeah, don't be an asshole. You're, you're chosen to this meet and greet. Yeah. But when people kind of like, 
I don't know if accosting is the right word, but accosting you kind of like surprise in surprise places, you know, like eating, or if you're just walking down the street, or if you're on a phone call, or, you know, in like normal life situations, it's like, it's a big, and then like, you're being judged on your reaction. Like, it just seems kind of harsh, you know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know, I definitely feel for that side of it, because that would be really, really difficult to deal with. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a minor amount of fame in, if you want to call it the punk rock world, just by one of the photos that I took and got used for an album cover. Oh, nice. But nobody knows that unless I tell them or they actually like research it and figure it out and search me out. And then they're like, I just had somebody email me or message me and say, you know, thank you for taking this photo this really, this band really means a lot to me or this guy really meant a lot to me. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sad. This photo had to be taken at, I'm not that it was taken at all, but it was used for his tribute album. But I'm like, thanks for reaching out and, you know, figuring out who I was because I don't put it out there a lot. So well, and that's great. Like, yeah, for someone to appreciate your art, like that's a totally different story, right? Like, yeah, that's really kind. And, you know, yeah. But like, if you were like eating lunch or having oh. a fight with your girlfriend and somebody's like, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> like, I would. Yeah, I, I know I would be a. I'd be like yelling at them with a mouthful of food and yeah. food spitting <laughs> everywhere. I, I would be that. Yeah. yeah, I'd be that guy. I'd be that person. Um. So what was I mean with touring and I don't like to dwell on COVID or anything too long. Cause we're all locked down. Um, live events were the last thing or the first thing that stopped and probably going to be the last thing that kind of starts up again. Again, talking to Flo yesterday, motherfucker was going to a show and I'm like, I hate you. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But I mean, we got a little bit of that in Winnipeg this summer. I got to a few shows. Like I saw, the Rippers and Mobina Galore two nights in a row. And it was wonderful. And then some other shows. Um, but what was the, the kind of last tour you did before everything kind of shut down? Yeah. So I did like this, um, this guy, his name's Nathan Gray. He's a singer of Boy Sets Fire, but he does like his own. Okay. Uh, he was doing acoustic, but now he plays with a full band in Europe. And I was just doing merch on that tour. And Oise, who I work with with Parkway, he works with Nathan. So we did that tour in February. It was like ended end of February, like the 27th, I think, or 26th of February, I got home. And then I was supposed to leave for a Parkway tour, like a headliner here on the, I think, 23rd of March or something. Um, and everything, the plug got pulled. I think it was on the 13th of March. Everything was just like, you know, like mm -hmm. just, yeah. So yeah, I was fortunate like, um, that I was able to go on that tour in February. Um, I did something in Australia in December, actually saw flow when I was there as well. Nice. So I'm, I'm really happy I got to do that as well. Um, but yeah, otherwise February was that... the last one. And, and a lot of, like a lot of people, you know, they re, you know, they see bands on tour and they think, you know, oh, it, it's shitty. This band isn't making money and they're not touring. But behind that band is a whole bunch of people, whether it's tour managers, assistant tour managers, lighting techs, sound techs, tour folks, um, their lives all come to a grinding halt, too, because 
a lot of folks like you that they jump from like tour to tour to tour, you know, they're, they're always staying busy until they just decide they don't want to do it anymore. But what have you kind of done in the meantime, since everything's kind of shut down and you're not able to, to, to be on tour and work? So Germany is, uh, in my opinion, is a fantastic country. Uh, they really take care of their people um, as far as like unemployment and stuff. So again, this is just what I view. Maybe somebody would argue that, but like a lot of people are getting unemployment or whatever. But so as a freelancer, though, there's tons of I'm, I'm a freelancer or I was a freelancer. Um, there wasn't really anything in play, like set up for freelancers mm -hmm. to get any kind of unemployment or anything. So initially, like, so everything got like pulled the plug, I think on the 13th. And then like within a week, uh, Germany decided that they were going to give freelancers 5,000 euros. Sure. So even I'm still waiting for them to like knock on my door and want it back. But yep. yeah, but they like did had this program set up within like a week or two and I got uh, 5,000 euros. So that like floated me for a few months. And then uh, in June, I started working. I have a friend here. He has this merch company called Evil Greed. And they've actually been doing really well through the pandemic. Like they nice. normally do. Yeah. Like they didn't expect that, obviously. Like no one knew what was going to happen, but they normally do tour merch and they do like an online store, but obviously they're not doing tour merch anymore, but their online store has really been doing well. So as of June, I started working there full time. And nice. Yeah, I've been so lucky. Like it's, I honestly, every single day, I, I like write down things I'm grateful for. And that's like routinely something because I know not everybody in my industry is as lucky to mm. have landed somewhere or even have landed somewhere with like great people. Like I genuinely love everyone I work with. Like, you know, the job is pretty like brain dead. I'm just like folding t-shirts or, you know, I'm still dealing or I'm dealing with merch stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I'm really, really grateful for that. So I'll just be working there until they fire me or, <laughs> or they're like, you're fired. Uh, yeah, I'll be working there till touring starts. But I mean, it's like, since it's friends, they obviously know that that's my job and my per like priority in life, you know, like, so they fully just like help me out knowing that there's like an end in sight with mm -hmm. my working um, but in saying that it doesn't really look like it's going to get back to normal anytime soon. No. And <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing. And then what's normal going to look like when, cause like bands that you you've worked for, they're, they're touring bands. They have to tour to make money. They're not living on, you know, million dollar royalties and like all that stuff coming in. And they're generally playing like smaller ish, like mid-level club shows to like, I mean, Parkway's playing larger larger venues um but yeah it's it's going to be a really different world going back into touring are you at all apprehensive about that or are you just you just want to get back out there and work uh i'm really trying to like enjoy being at home and i am enjoying it like I, the thing I, I don't miss anything about touring as far as the job like i'm not like oh please can i sleep for four hours a night you know what i mean like and walk 500 kilometers but the thing that I miss is what it affords me in my life. So when I'm touring, I'm able to like travel back to Canada twice a year, generally see family. A lot of my friends are spread out, like not many people stay in Winnipeg. So mm -hmm. like I'm able to like go and see friends in Vancouver or Toronto, you know, but like obviously now I can't do any of that. So that's what I miss is like seeing people in my family. Um, 
so I'm just like enjoying, I'm just really, I mean, it is getting kind of rough because I, I am really close with my family and I really miss them, but I'm not like gonna come to Winnipeg until I, it's safe or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's all I'm anxious for is just to see my family and friends. But as far as touring goes, I mean, I am getting a little antsy because I am getting older too. I'm just like, cool when I'm a hundred, when I go back on tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just really trying to like enjoy this kind of schedule because chances are once touring starts or, you know, hoping it's like, I'm not going to have this opportunity to be like in a set place for a while, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I guess last question, because mm-hmm. I feel like I could just talk to you for hours because it's, it, yeah. it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, <laughs> do tour managers get sick and tired of being asked to, for folks to get, be put on the guest list? Uh, I mean, sure, yeah, (laughs) of course, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always like, I I don't know, I guess the short answer, yes, (laughs) but I mean, like, I also get on people's guest lists, so I'm just as bad, you know, like everybody kind of does it, but yeah, there's definitely certain people that are can be kind of annoying at times, not certain people, but certain kinds of people that can be annoying, yeah. Um, but yeah, in saying that, I obviously ask to be on people's guest list as well. I, sometimes, so I guess I am those people. <laughs> I'm the same as you. And I've talked to other, other folks that are like, you know, tour managers and stuff. And I'm like, I just feel bad asking, especially, I mean, when it's a big show and I want to go, but I don't know. I mean, I'm more interested in hanging out with my bud than, exactly. I mean, sure. Seeing the band would be cool. Like my friend, um, do you know, Sean Palmer? No. Okay. He used to, he used to tour manage for like tour manage sound for like Silverstein and then the used and stuff like that. So I was like, I was more excited to see Palmer than like to see the used. I mean, like I don't, I, and I always ask him like, so can, can you, can you get me a photo pass? Because that's my job. That's what I love doing. And sometimes he could, sometimes he couldn't, but he could always get me into the show and I'd be more interested in just hanging out with him. So I always felt bad. I always feel bad asking. So sometimes I will and sometimes I won't, but you know, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm never trying to go see a show like very rarely except for Jimmy world, but I'll buy tickets <laughs> for sure. Um, the th- let me tell you the thing that's more annoying is when you're in a city that's like really stressful for guest lists. Like, so if it's a city, like whatever Regina or something like, you know, it's pretty laid back, but if it's a city like New York or London or whatever, and when people are like, hounding you to get on the guest list and then they don't come to the show that drives me bonkers Mm -hmm. because the amount of like like not always but like the amount of juggling or back and forth or this and that you're trying to because you want to accommodate everyone you know because it's the bands generally it's the bands like friends and family you know or whatever so of course you want to accommodate everybody but like yeah when somebody just wants to like have the option and then they don't go it's kind of like and do you do you check that afterwards do you actually see if people I do. If it's a show that I, again, this is only when I'm tour managing, so yeah. not, but if it's a show that I know the guest list is stressful, like, and then like, I'll ask them to like cross off the names and give it to me then the night so I can see who isn't coming and who, especially if the person asked a hundred times or something, and then they don't show up, you know? And is, is it tough doing like mentioning the um, hard cities to deal with? Is it tough doing a guest list for comeback hit in Winnipeg? Because I mean, like three quarters of the show 
are probably friends and probably are like, hey, can I get on the guest list? I'm friends with XYZ. And it's like, their their moms can come in. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's been a long time, obviously, since I've done it with Comeback Kid. But let me tell you, everywhere was difficult for guest list. (laughs) Like, Andrew, I love you, but he has friends everywhere like he just does right he's been touring for over 20 years you know so he genuinely he's so social and just has friends everywhere so like it would it was yeah (laughs) every city there was like guaranteed there's guest lists in every city um yeah (laughs) that's 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 a great bite right there andrew i love you but nope that's all that's i'm just gonna leave that in that's gonna be the bumper I'll send it to him. him. he's the best yeah he really is he's such a nice guy like i did i'm working on a portrait project and I just reached out to them. And again, being in Winnipeg, I kind of know them. I've gotten, if you want to be closer, I mean, Jeremy's the only one that's left here. Um, mm-hmm. So I've gotten closer-ish with them. But yeah, they they all sat for my my portrait project. We're super cool about it. I'm, I was just talking to Andrew the other day. I'm like trying to get him on the podcast at some point. And he's like, yeah, whenever, whenever it's cool, like we'll, we'll do it. And then they're talking about possibly coming back here and getting in the studio when things are when there's allowed to be more than two people in the studio and I'm like, Hey, if you need a photo video guy, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. I'll do that. That'd be cool. Yeah, totally. That'd be awesome. Even, I'm sure they'd love that. Cause I mean, I've been very, very fortunate that I've, I've become friends with Todd from prop and I, mm-hmm. the last uh, victory lap, he's like, yeah, do you want to come in the studio? And I'm like, okay, Todd, obviously I do. That's awesome. See Winnipeg. Everyone's yeah. so cool. It's super chill. And by the sounds of it, so is Berlin. So it's like, hopefully at some point I get a chance to get over there. Cause that'd be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me know, obviously if, and when you do, whenever this is all over. Awesome. Well, Tanner, thank you so much for sitting down talking to me. Um, it was great. It was great learning more about tour managing. I hope people that are listening, learn something about it and learned that it's not just, you know, an abrupt person yelling at people because <laughs> sometimes that's all you see is like a tour or someone from a tour freaking out. And sometimes it's got to be done. But I, so one last thing I want to say about that is I've definitely found, I feel like it's changed over the years, like where people used to be real gruff, but I feel like it's like you you're when you go to a venue, it's like, if you're mean or yelling or whatever, no one's going to want to help you or give no. you anything. You know, so it's like, I've de- like, I mean, I feel like I'm like this as a whole, but it's like, just make everything as pleasant as possible and be, you know, and just make everybody's day as pleasant as possible. Yeah. I see it moving away from more from the gruff and especially with a lot of folks in the industry working on the production side, you guys are just more like it, this is what I want and I want it now. Like it's, you're not being mean. You're not being aggressive. It's just like, this is what we need to make the show happen. Make this happen. Like, yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, thank you for talking to me. And cool. I hope you get back on the road sooner than later. Stop folding yeah. those t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Dwayne. I appreciate it. Well, there you go. There is my conversation with Tanner Herman. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I really enjoy this whole series of talking to folks that, you know, work behind the scenes so many times. It's all about the bands. It's all about, you know, just that. So it's, I find it very interesting. And I I think you guys do too, to, to talk to the different people that work, um, kind of the different 
facets of the music industry. It's, it's amazing. There's so many things you would have never thought of that makes this whole thing go. And it was great to learn even more from Tanner and a big thank you to her for taking the time to talk to me. A big thank you to you for listening. You know, I, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have someone listening, I guess maybe you're out there. Hello. Hello. Um, I've got a lot more stuff coming up. I'm very excited about, and I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Really a uh, big thank you to the, the lovely, again, the lovely folks at the WPG.ca head over there, check them out, check out the daily content that's going up. Um, check out the other podcasts in kind of the podcast network. And yeah, I hope everyone's staying safe, being good, not too good, but you know, good enough. And hopefully we'll see you at a show real soon.